Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. Uh, the message was pretty simple. Uh, that we recognize what God has done for us and the things that we see around us. We recognize God's power. We also recognize God's forgiveness. We recognize God's provision for our lives. Uh, that, I hope that's what you did this past Thursday. You've done it through the whole year, I hope, up to this point, that we always give thanks to God for the things that He does for us. The air that we breathe, the food that we eat, those things that He gives us, our friends, our family, those relationships that are dear to us, those things that make us what we are as the body of Christ. Those are all things that you and I need to be thankful for every day of our lives because as I look around, I notice there's a, there's a lot of people, the nine months I've been here, there are a lot of people that aren't here today. Uh, people that I've known that have gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, people that have moved. People that are dealing with issues in their lives. And we wonder, God, how can we be thankful through these times? How can we be thankful through the difficulties that life brings us? How can we be thankful through the trials that seem to come our way? There's a message that we see in the book of Judges, and that's the message that, that Charlie just shared with us just a moment ago, about what it means for you and I to see in God the thankfulness that is ours and a recognition of his provision for all of our lives. Not just those times that we think are the good times, but those times that we recognize where we think he's nowhere to be found. For we've not deserted God, and he's not deserted us. His love for us is everlasting. His forgiveness is everlasting. His presence is everlasting. And that is why we are called to give thanks to him. This morning as we look again at Judges chapter 6, I want you to think about what the holiday means to you. Does it bring joy, cheer, parties, family gatherings? Are those things the basis of what Thanksgiving is all about? I would tell you that that's not the case for everyone. And it may be you're here this morning and you're dealing with issues of loneliness Self-reflection as you look and you think of all the disappointments that are going on in your lives, all the things that haven't worked out the way you thought they would, maybe even depression is a part of who you are this morning, that you find that you're in a pit, you're in the valley, you're in a place that you don't need to be, and there's a call that God has for us that we need to recognize. That's the message that we see in God's message to Gideon, a message about what it means for us to take those lives that God has given us and make a difference in them. So, why do we end up so down sometimes in those times that we're supposed to be celebratory? Why do we end up seeing the worst things that are going on in our lives rather than the best thing that's come into our lives when we trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Gideon deals with those stories, with those issues. And we see so as he begins to look at this circumstance in which he finds himself, as God's angel shares with him uh, the gift of hope and the gift of life. So why is it we so, so often find ourselves in the pit? Look at Judges chapter 6, verse 1 with me. This is a phrase that you're going to hear uh, a good bit this morning, but I want you to remember it. 
Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. If you look throughout the book of Judges, you'll see that very sentence eight times. Eight times God gave the children of Israel over to the Midianites or over to the enemy. And eight times God allowed them to recognize his provision for their lives. That's one of the things that I think happens in my life when I think that I've got everything going and everything is working the way I think it should be working. All of a sudden, there's some trial that comes into my life. I don't believe God brings those trials. I don't believe God puts those tests in our lives to prove the relationship we have with him. But I believe God seeks to allow those trials, those difficulties to become a living proof to us of his presence in our lives, of our understanding that God is able to provide and carry us through those difficulties that seem overwhelming to us because they are so often overwhelming to us. And we're not sure where to go and we're not sure where to turn. And God is telling us all along, hey, I'm right here with you. Rely on me. Put your hope in me. Put your faith in me. Put your trust in me. Not in the arm of men, because that arm will fail you, but in the right arm of God that will never desert you, never leave you, always be there for you. That's the message that God has for Gideon, but Gideon hasn't bought into that message yet. We see that beginning <clears throat> as he looks around him and sees what the circumstances are in his life. Uh, God continually got the people out of the people of Israel out of the jams they were in, but they kept getting back in them. God reminds us of the things that we see in our lives as individuals, those things that we do, those sins that separate us from the love of God and those sins that separate us from God's will. I think that's what happens in my life. And when I see those things, they're pretty obvious to me. When I make decisions, I know that are not what God would have me make. When I go in directions that I know God would have not me make, I know when I take my life and I am trusting my abilities and not trusting in God, I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Gideon did the same thing. Did you hear his response? You don't hear it yet, but you're going to hear it in a minute. His response is basically, this can't be. This is not right. This is not the way things are supposed to be. You heard what Charlie shared with us just a moment ago, that message about what it means for God. Why? Why is this happening? Uh, I don't understand this. I thought you were going to bless me. I thought you were going to encourage me. I thought you were going to lift me up. And yet here I find my life, my heart, my all in the pit. Sin impacts each of our lives. It impacted the nation of Israel. It impacted not only individuals, it also in, 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 infected the lives of the leadership in Israel. The religious leaders and the political leaders alike. A lot of times you can't tell the difference in the two, but there were. But the message is pretty simple. People who said they trusted in God had failed to. And here's the thing. You know what happened with the nation? The nation went along. The nation didn't say anything. The nation didn't complain. The nation didn't say, wait a minute, this is not the path that God's chosen for us. The nation went along with what they saw the people doing. So easy for us to do that same thing. The issues of sin are something that's not just a part of Adam and Eve's life. It's part of Abraham's life. Guess what? Abraham shared that with Isaac. Isaac shared it with Jacob and Esau. 
And the list goes on and on and on. Sin is a part of who we are. It's our desires over God's plan. Little things happen, don't they? Most of you came in this morning with little droplets of rain on your car, didn't you? And you thought, oh no, it's going to mess my car up. I just washed it yesterday. But what happens is that little droplet, you can see them on your windshield usually first, can't you? But then they begin to build, don't they? And the next thing you see are not droplets, but you see a windshield wiper that's going back and forth trying to keep up. We experienced this on the way down to North Carolina this past week. Try to keep up. We can't keep up because it's too much. It's too heavy. That's what happens in our lives, isn't it? That when the sin that we commit, when that sin that we have allowed into our lives begins to rule and reign, and then it begins to flourish, all of a sudden we see this is not just one drop at a time, but it's a torrent that hits us. And all of a sudden we realize we can't face those things on our own. There's an opportunity that God gives us at that point in time for each of us to stop and say, that's exactly right. I can't face these problems on my own. I can't handle this situation on my own. God, help me through this. God, allow me to make it through this difficulty by relying upon you, by trusting you, by giving you my life, by giving you my heart. The children of Israel had forgotten what the harvest was all about. I know, I know that David's not here this morning, but he shared that with us. The celebration of, Matthew, of, of Psalm 65 is a celebration again of, of the same thing that Jesus celebrated with his disciples. It was a celebration of the booths where the children of Israel were reminded of what had happened to them. It's the celebration of the Passover, a recognition of what God has done for us, a recognition that God loves us and had cared for us. That's why they built the booths, to remember those things. That's why they eat the unleavened bread, to remember. That's why they paint the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the lentils, to never forget what God has done for them. And yet how often do we hear these words? And again, the children of Israel sinned in the eyes of the Lord. It happens in my life way too often. Where I decide, where I choose, where I make God's plan a secondary thing that I rely on when things really get bad. God calls us to recognize what it means for us to trust him through all of those circumstances. Through each of the circumstances that come our way, that those things that would overwhelm us no longer are there, but we see the evidence of it in our lives. Happens again. Look at Judges 6, 1, one more time. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord for seven years. He gave them over to the hands of the Midianites. Paul says the same thing to the church in Rome, I think is what we see written in the book of Judges. Paul looks around and he sees the things that are going on in the world of which he's a part, and I want you to listen to these words that Paul wrote over 2,000 years ago and see how they apply to your life and to our lives today. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools 
and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual immorality and impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Solomon's message to us that is pretty simple. There's nothing new under the sun. Paul was dealing and addressing the same issue that we address in our nation today and maybe address in our lives, a message of what it means for us to exchange that relationship that God seeks to have with us for something that we make up in our minds about what God is. That God becomes our Santa Claus who gives us whatever we want, whenever we want it and however we want it. And we forget what God's provision and what God's love is all about. About that continued situation where he does all these things for us without us asking for them. And he does it for one reason. He does it because he loves us. He cares about us. That's what he's trying to communicate through the life of Gideon and with the children of Israel. I love you. I did all these things. I've done all these things for you for one reason, because I love you. That's what Thanksgiving is to be all about, a recognition of what God has done for us and a recognition of our responsibility. I hate to use that word, but it is that. It ought to come second nature to us. That changes that idea of what responsibility is all about. We do these things simply because we are in Christ. And in that relationship, we, it's not a matter of not having a choice, but we have chosen to follow Jesus. In choosing to follow Jesus, we do and say and treat people and love people the same way that Jesus loves and forgives us. That's the change that Paul says comes into our lives. That's the change that God's trying to work in the lives of the children of Israel as he sends those, as he sends those judges eight times trying to get the people to understand what it is that he desires. He wants one thing, and he wants us to love him the same way that he loves us. And that change comes in our lives when we yield our lives to him. That is the hardest thing. I had a friend tell me this one day when we were talking about what it means to be believers. It's pretty simple, right? Two things that we have to do, that we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. All right, that's pretty simple. You'd think that raising God from the dead would be the hardest part, but you know what the hardest part in my life is? That I would confess Jesus Christ is Lord. What that means is that every situation, every circumstance in my life, I say, it's all about you, Jesus. Sounds like a song, doesn't it? It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about what you've done. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the love that you've given me. And there's a call for us to change our lives, that we can't stay where we are and hope things are going to get better, but to recognize what it means for us to see God's hand in our lives. Second Chronicles 7.14. Most of you could probably quote this passage. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin 
and I will heal their land. If you're here this morning, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. That's what God's message is to each of us. Right there, it's right on the screen, still on the screen. Look at that. That we humble ourselves before God and say, Lord, you're Lord. You are Lord of all. You created everything. I haven't done anything. This is not about me. It's all about you. But it doesn't stop there. And pray and seek my face. That we recognize that desire to be in God's presence every day of our lives. And that we trust him implicitly with everything that he's given us. That we take our lives and we put them in his hands. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins. And it may be you're here this morning and you think there's no way that God could ever forgive me for the things I've done. Look at those verses right there and see what God's message is to you today. God is longing to hear from you, Father, forgive me. Father, forgive me for what I've done. Father, forgive me and help me to trust you more implicitly with who I am and what I'm about. The sin that is in our lives separates us from a loving and caring God. And it may be that in your life and my life, we need to use this opportunity, this day, at this time, for us to confess before God, this is a sin I'm dealing with, Father, forgive me. And help me to become more and more like your son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us. So how can we stay out of the pit? Mental health professionals give us some advice. I don't know if I gave you this, Nick, or not, but if I didn't, it's okay. Don't worry about it. This is what the Mental Health Association says. This is basically from the National Mental Health Association, uh, 2001 North Beauregard Street in Alexandria, Virginia. Listen to this. If you're having trouble at Christmas time or at Thanksgiving, think about this thing. Keep expectations for the holiday reasonably manageable. Try to set realistic goals for yourself. Pace yourself. Be realistic about what you can and can't do. Do not put your entire focus on just one day. Do not set yourself up by comparing today with the good old days. That we should do something for someone else, volunteer to help others, spend time with supportive and caring people, reach out and make a few friends or contact someone that you've not heard from a while. You know what? There it is right there. The message is pretty simple, isn't it? And when you think about that and look at that, there's some message that's there for each of us that almost sounds a lot about what this body is to be about, doesn't it? Barbara Wiley is a name that some of you may know. Most of you probably don't. But Bob and Barbara were our dear friends. Bob married us. I lived with Bob and Barbara for a while before Karen and I were married. And Karen spent probably two hours on the phone with Barbara. I left after about the first 30 minutes. I had some stuff I had to do. But I think about what it means to call somebody and to talk to somebody that you know and love, to visit with family members. But it's about that supportive nature that is to be ours, that is in Christ. That is what the body of Christ is to be. We are to be supporting one another, loving one another, caring for one another. And my prayer would be that we would continue as Grace Baptist Church to be about and do what Christ has called us to do. 
And that is to love one another in such a way that the world would see that love of Jesus Christ in our lives and would know. They'll do that through the giveaway. They'll do that through the food pantry. They'll do that through the clothing closet. They'll do that through the children's ministry. They'll do that through the things that we do through this time of worship that we have together. But there's a call for us not to, not to spend all our time in a pit. That's what happens. Look at Judges 6, 13. See what Gideon's response is to God. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Why are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when he said, did not the Lord bring you up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has done what? Abandoned us and put us into the hands of the Midianites. Does that sound familiar to you? Does that sound like something has gone on in your life? What is that basic question? Lord, why is this happening to me? Gideon looks at his circumstances and his relationship. Listen to him. He already knows the truth. God has already shared with him how he has provided for his people, how he has guided his people, how he has given his people life. And Gideon has forgotten every lick of it. But he's not the only one. He's just one of many that have followed that path. You and I are called to remember, never forget what Christ has done for us. Never forget the price that was paid for our lives. Never forget the salvation that is ours in Jesus Christ. And in that relationship, that we live it in such a way that the world sees and knows it. Gideon had lost sight of that in his own life. That happens in each of our lives at times when we think things are overwhelming and we can't handle the circumstances or the situation. But there's a problem that comes in my life, and I can speak to this de definitely. You want to stay out of the pit? Don't spend your time right around the edge of it. If you find yourself right around the edge of the pit, right on the precipice, if I started walking out here, most of you wouldn't care about that. But if I started walking back and forth over here, there's one person in this room that's saying, Bob, quit doing that. Don't do that. There are circumstances in our lives where we walk right on the edge. And what God is calling us to remember is that we need to stay out of the pit. Don't allow that place to draw you in because that's what it seeks to do in your mind. That's what the enemy seeks to do. It's okay. It's not bad. You can deal with this. And so what do we do? We begin to make our homes in the pit. The pit's not a bad place. You know what? If you're in the pit, guess what? Everybody feels sorry for you. Isn't that right? Oh, you're going through such a difficult time. Everything's a trial. Everything's a problem. You're not going to be able to deal with this. And we're here to let you know that we sympathize with you. Christ calls us to look at those things in our lives that we know we should not be doing and avoid them. To avoid what it means for us to be in places and do things that we know should not be done in our lives. That if the pit is where we end up all the time, maybe it's because we are too close to it and too enamored with it. Christ calls us to recognize what it means to give up. He says, take up your cross and follow me. To take up that life that God has given you and use it for me. We see that happening and we're able to deal with those issues because God has given us the strength to do so. He did so 
with David as he faced Goliath. Does that sound like a familiar story? David could have, where is Saul? Where are all David's brothers? They're, they're hiding in the background. And what does David do? He steps up and steps out and he says, I'll fight him. I'll take him on because God's with me. What happens? Saul tries to provide for him the way that Saul thinks his provision needs to be made. David says, I don't need any of this stuff because the Lord has protected and guided me and given me those things and he's going to give Goliath into my hands today. It's not any different than, than Daniel in the lion's den. Does that sound familiar? And Daniel finds himself among the lions. I still have that study Bible that we had when we were kids growing up. I can still see Daniel bound in that lion's den and all those lions just looking at him, not harming him, not touching him. And now the king's, come, come, the king's voice comes back, Daniel, are you still there? Are you still okay? And Daniel says, yes, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What happens with them? Exactly the same thing. Here comes the kicker for me. John and Peter before the Sanhedrin. You remember that story? What happens with them? The Sanhedrin are listening to these two men sharing about what Christ has done in their lives. And what do they say? They look at them and they say, these are ordinary men, unlearned men. But there was one thing that they recognized about them that made all the difference, that they had been with Jesus. Does the world see that in your life and my life? Does the world see the power and the strength of Jesus Christ in our lives? Do they recognize in us the joy that comes the joy that comes of having a relationship and a hope that is real, a hope that's a part of who we are in everything that we say and do. God's ready to lift you out of the pit this minute. You can't do it on your own, but God's provided you the way. And finally, be thankful. <clears throat> don't, always, don't always think that you can't get out of the pit. You can't do it on your own strength, but you can do it through God. Look at verse 13 in Judges 6 one more time. If the Lord is with us, why has this happened to us? Judges 6 goes on in verse 14 with this. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon said, how can I serve Israel? My clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I'm the least of all my family. And the Lord answered him, look at this, folks. If you're a believer in here this morning, this ought to be the nature and the purpose of everything that you are about. I will be with you, and I will strike down all the Midianites together with you. I am with you to guide you through this. That's the hope that is ours how many times in God's Word do we see people struggling with this battle that's ours? What happened when God had a message for Moses? He had a plan for him. Exodus 3.11, but Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Then we see in Isaiah 
when we see the angel come to Isaiah and say, I've got somebody I want you to meet. I, I want to experience, have God, you experience God in a personal relationship. What did Isaiah said? Woe is me, I cried, for I am ruined, for I am man of, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the glory, the Lord Almighty. The strength that Gideon possessed was promised by the Lord in his presence. It was in his weakness that Gideon was going to be used, and his inabilities that Gideon was going to be used, and God has that same hope for each of us. And he calls for us to trust him. Jesus calls us to do that. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says this to every one of us who are in this room today. Come to me, all you who are weak and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy. <clears throat> my yoke is easy. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's a message that God has for us, a message that God has for you, and that is the provisions that Christ gives us, that relationship that is ours, that is able to guide us through all the difficulties that we have. I don't know where you are this morning. It may be this past Thursday was a difficult time for you because you were at home by yourself. It may be that you had a whole house full of people, and you're overwhelmed by all that went on. There's a message that God has for each of us through Jesus Christ, and that is that we follow him, that he is our Lord, he is our Savior, he is the one who guides us, he is the one that leads us, he is the one that protects us, he is the one that is ever-present. God loves us, and he seeks for us to recognize what it means to stay out of the pit my prayer for you would be today for each of us that we would not allow the enemy to drag us down to where we don't need to be, but that we would be lifted up in the presence of the living God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this day uh, for the blessings that are ours and for the love that you have for us. Father, I pray that you would help us in the days ahead to look at Gideon's life and remember how and what you did through him. Uh, this is all we're going to do in looking at Gideon. But I remember, Father, how you constantly told him, Gideon, it's not about you, it's all about me. A hundred thousand is way too many. Fifty thousand is way too many. Let's just do it with three hundred. Father, I thank you for the 150, the 200 people that are actively involved at, at Grace Baptist Church. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to realize what you can do through us if we trust you, if we give our lives to you, if we yield our hearts to you completely and do what you've called us to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world. There are lots of people that are today that are in the middle of a pit, and they don't see the way out. Father, you have provided that way. And in your provision, Father, you call us to trust you because you are present with us through all of life's situations and circumstances. Help us, Father, to yield our lives and hearts to you completely, and help us, Father, to recognize what it means to live for you completely. For we ask these things on Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.